we are never truly lost. Well, okay, sure. Maybe we get turned around for a few days in the woods where life just feels like it's getting the best of us and everything's going wrong. And I'm Mike Martin, and I've stood right where you're standing, lost, beaten down, like nothing's ever gonna change. And that's why I built this camp. And that's why I'm inviting you to join me and all the members of this wild community. Because you know what, friend? It does get better. So come along with me into the wild and let me show you this awesome, unique skill set that lays with inside of you. With help from the land, we're going to unlock the steward that's inside each and every one of us that will lead the way out of the darkness and into healing. Here at the Camp of Healing on Project Mindfully Outdoors. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Campfire Conversations of Project Mindfully Outdoors. As always, I'm your guide, Mike Martin. And I want to thank you for tuning in to what is going to be a very beautiful sort of conversation and edition of this podcast. Because a few weeks back, I had an opportunity to connect with an amazing author. Her name is Susan Gold, and she's the author of a book called The Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Traumas. And, you know, what really intrigued me about the opportunity to sit down and talk to Susan was the fact that a lot of us growing up, we come out of, well, we come out of the cave, for lack of a better way to put it, carrying these things that were kind of instilled in us. You know, realizing that we all didn't walk out with the proper tools and, you know, the strengths or this and that. And we look for somebody to blame. And, you know, a lot of us get caught up in that narrative of self-suffering that, you know, we can't change anything. We can't do anything with, well, the lack of tools that we have or the small little survival knife on our belt in a situation that calls for an axe. The truth is in the field, you know, you can take that belt, that knife off your belt and you can fashion the tools that you need. And the same thing is true in life. When you stop blaming the shortcomings on, you know, your upbringing or whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of parallels in this conversation that, you know, I feel not only had a, a way for me and Susan both to work through and figure out, but I feel like it's something that we all can relate to. And that's why I feel like this conversation was so not only fun and amazing, but 
I feel was so beneficial to be able to share with you today. So on the flip side of this word from our sponsor, I'm going to give you that conversation with author Susan Gold. We are never truly lost. Well, okay, sure. Maybe we get turned around for a few days in the woods where life just feels like it's getting the best of us and everything's going wrong. And I'm like Martin, and I've stood right where you're standing, lost, beaten down, like nothing's ever gonna change. And that's why I built this camp. And that's why I'm inviting you to join me and all the members of this wild community. Because you know what, friend? It does get better. So come along with me into the wild and let me show you this awesome, unique skill set that lays with inside of you. With help from the land, we're gonna unlock the steward that's inside each and every one of us that will lead the way out of the darkness and into healing. Here at the Camp of Healing, on Project Mindfully Outdoors. Susan, welcome to the campfire. And, you know, honestly, I'm really excited about this conversation because I've checked out some of your work and some of the interviews that you've done. And there's so much within your story and even your book, The Toxic Family, that I can relate to because I've kind of walked that same, I guess, path and, you know, sharing two different aspects of the same kind of theme story. I feel really meets in the middle in a way that somebody that is struggling with the process can kind of relate to and say, Hey, there is hope, you know, there is, there's inspiration out there that I can get through this. And it goes a lot deeper than just a book that did it for me, where the quote that came out of it was adversity is an opportunity to highlight and showcase who you truly are inside. And I know you've had your share of adversity, so I want to start there. Well, that sounds great on a Saturday morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Just, just thank you for this forum that you've created and, and the theme and the way your guests share. I think it's just really exquisite and it opens up like this safe haven. Um, and I just wanted to express my gratitude. I've listened to several of your episodes and there's something from the heart that comes out and some truth that comes out and, and that's resonating from what you're emitting. So thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. That was what I really really strived for with it is I wanted to provide that space for 
a community where we suffer in silence based on you know the tools of the trade it inspires fear when i'm suffering from something and i tell somebody there's a chance those tools could be taken away so if you open up a conversation you open up a forum it goes much deeper to where you can bring out those heartfelt feelings you can kind of sort through understand and lean on other people from not only like the outdoor community but also from any walk of life and realize we've all got these common threads within our story that as we learn from as a tribe we can better ourselves we can heal we can go forward and we can bring out that true authentic aspect of ourselves that we're hiding because we don't know how to get there we don't have the vocabulary within us personally to bring it out i i really feel that that's part of our culture and it was sort of well it was definitely part of my family system it was don't talk don't feel <laughs> just suit up and show up and marshal through um and I'm not blaming my mom and my dad at all. I mean, they were doing the very best they could. My, my dad thinks his childhood was, you know, great. And to me, it sounds like a lot of child abuse. My mom was horrifically abused. Um, and they came together like, you know, a bonfire with acid and had five kids uh, before they reached 30. So there was not a lot of whole love going around there. It was really hurt and abused children, raising hurt and abused children. It was like a lineage of it. And, you know, looking back now with the experience that I have now, and I know this is going to sound like hooey, I feel like, yeah, I picked it. That was the perfect environment for me to step into for the soul lessons I needed to to evolve well you know you mentioned it and I think it's a really important thing to touch on is the fact that we're all learning and progressing through trying to figure this stuff out in real time and that's what we learned growing up we also kind of somewhere in the translation missed the idea that you've got to provide space and understanding for that fact. And as we go through our daily life, we're kind of taught that it's all about, it's all about the results. You know, it doesn't matter how you get there. Like you said, you marshal through it. You put your nose to the grindstone and you just, you put out a result all the feelings, all the emotions, everything like that. I feel like a lot of us kind of missed being taught how to process. So then we find ourselves where we're at now and we hit that brick wall and that's where these breakdowns happen because we don't understand what it was that was leading us to chase the things that we thought were helping us get the results. You know, I, I've never really heard it described so so clearly, so concretely. And I 
you really appreciate that. It's, it's so true. I mean, I was like a gerbil on a really nasty wheel for so long. And it was in my adulthood that I just finally like broke down. I split out of myself. I was working on a business deal that was replicating the position I played in my home, which was, you know, sort of a referee between my mom and my dad. And it just, it touched every emotional point that was so crippling. And I, I literally split out of myself. I mean, I was clean and sober for four and a half years and I, I just, I lost it. And I ended up going to rehab <laughs> four and a half years clean to kind of work through the emotions that were coming up. Um, to kind of get some clarity and understanding. Yeah, it's it's a challenge because you know you got to kind of look and wonder how your how the models that you were raised by, how they were raised, if they ever got that that standard and that ability and all those things. But then again, when you're in the process of being in the trenches and you know, going through your life, you got to accept that the responsibility comes down to you and being able to say, hey, these may have been the cards that I was given. This is the way I was raised, the habits, the cycles, all that stuff. But does it really affect me in a positive light? You know, is this really pushing me toward bringing out my core value system or the version of myself that I want the world to see. And if it doesn't align, regardless of if it ends up being a trip to rehab after you give up the vice or whatever the addiction may have been, or you, that's how you end up getting through it is by turn, by going to rehab to get the skills. It's all in a matter of relinquishing to the fact that those traits those habits aren't helping bring out who you are and it comes out to an awareness of wanting to express who you truly are and that's not an that's not an easy lesson i mean that lesson repeated so many times like from childhood forward and it always it felt unjust it was like are you kidding me like really seriously and what you're saying is true. I mean, it was like, I wanted to eat the rat poison, but I wanted my ex-husband to be, to be the one that suffered the effect. When I really looked at it, as long as I was holding on to the resentment, the victimhood, all of that, which is totally human. It's, it's so understandable. But like you, I had to get to that point where I said, you know what? I just got to step up and move through this and see the, the sunny side of the rock here. That's pretty nasty right now. There's a lot of muck. And then in hindsight, I can see, oh yeah, that's why that happened. So I could see how strong I really am. I got told that forever. You're so strong. You're so powerful. Like I was very independent. I left my home the morning after high school and I didn't often look back. I, 
I carried the weight in most of my relationships. Um, I was successful in a shiny career. Um, but inside, I never felt the way people describe me. I always felt shaken and not enough and ashamed and just waiting for punishment, waiting for the rug to be pulled out from underneath me. And I always had to have male attention to feel like I was worthy. I mean, this was like, it made no sense at all until like that, that big lesson of my greatest guru, who was the man who would become my ex-husband. See, it's funny because I was actually just given a talk on this kind of same subject and it hit me in the middle of describing the situation the scenario what the root of that was at least in my in my boots and that was going through that exact process because i had no definition of self-worth or self-value and therefore i was like on this frantic frenzy of trying to have that defined by everything around me. And that brought tons of bad relationships, bad decisions, and ultimately putting yourself in a bad position because somebody has come around and said, hey, in this very moment, you're serving my story so well that you're great, you're amazing. And that feels, it feels good. And then, ultimately to be sitting in my truck the first night I was homeless looking in the rear view mirror going man that didn't work I'm here again because I filled somebody else's story but to look over in the empty passenger seat and go you know that over there is probably the story that I should be filling and writing because that would be mine my story because that seat is empty right now is hard and it's scary and when you come along and you go through your journey without that i guess buffer to explore yourself it's not only the hardest thing in the world to turn the steering wheel in the other direction to go inward and find that value but it's also so empowerfully scary that you slam on the brakes and you don't want to move. So it can put you back in that position where you go the, you know, the direction that you've already been. And I, I want to get tangible on that place. I mean, for me, it took me landing on a mattress on the floor in a partial converted conversion in my garage in a home I bought and maintained for my family while my husband was in the master bedroom. And it took a year in that circumstance until I could write him a six figure check and he could move on. And it took, every amount of experience. I was an endurance athlete. Um, I was a longtime meditator. I would go on silent meditation retreats, making no eye contact and staying silent for a week. And I used, used those tools 
to the nth degree to get through of a, a process that would take a year to understand I had to move on. That was the billboard it took to fall on my head, to wake me up to my patterning and to finally let it go. And that's, you know, that's a moment that a lot of us have. It doesn't always have to come down to that rock bottom type feeling where you're sitting there with that horrible gut feeling that something is wrong and it's never going to change to be able to realize it. But when you get in those moments, you've got no other choice but to turn the boat around or find that magnet that's going to pull your compass back north and set yourself up to be able to rebuild from the ground up and start expressing the story that you internally feel like you want to live or that you're destined to be here and that is your to fill your <coughs> excuse me to uh, fulfill your purpose and i think i think that's the ultimate goal but it takes a lot of courage and sometimes it takes support sometimes we're not up to it i mean there were there were plenty of moments where i thought just taking an early exit would have been a better plan that I really had to think through, I mean, multiple times and really get support with, because it's very difficult to stand up to it, but it is very worthwhile. And another piece that helped me was when I was low, I would feel, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to help other people going through similar experiences. I'm going to, I'm going to step up to this. And of course, my son helped me want to marshal through it all. See, that's where I find myself now is I took this inward journey to rebuild myself from the ground up, to change the vocabulary of not only the talk that I use with myself, but the way that I express my story. And through that, it's brought all kinds of blessings and things that I probably never would have achieved. And one of those being the redemption with reconnecting with my daughter. And to be able to see through her eyes the feeling and you know, the effect that it's had on her, I think has really put a lot of the struggles that I've experienced into context it made it a lot easier for me to understand not only why I went through it or how I went through it, but how I've come out of it and exactly how the path has changed from point A to point B and why. Yeah, that's a, that's such a shift to understand, you know, my book, it's called toxic family transforming childhood trauma into adult freedom and toxic family was not my title. That was my publisher's title. My title was magical illumination because that's what I feel like it's been. It's so astounding to get totally out of the victim role and separate from it and look at it as 
wow, that individual or that circumstance has propelled me to a whole new zip code. It does. It, the way that you end up shifting as you start to blaze this new path. I think about it kind of like when I'm in the field and I'm walking down the beaten path, but I want to go somewhere where, you know, a lot of people don't go, especially when you're on public land. The idea is to get away from people when you're out hunting. And a lot of that takes going down these game trails or even walking through, you know, a mucky swampy area that, you know, really there are no trails to follow. So you've got to not only endure the unknown, but you've also got to trust yourself in that you have the ability to make the truck in there and then make the truck back out while not getting lost. That is such a direct metaphor for what you've lived through and what I've lived through, certainly. I mean, it is exceptional how nature really echoes our humanity and who we are as individuals and how much it, it's healing. It does. There's a lot of things that I look back at and I'm like, you know, how did I get to this position or this thought process? And I think it ultimately, you know, like I shared with you before, that one Marcus Aurelius quote, I heard it, I read it, and in one way it kind of attached itself to me, but there was no real context within my world to apply it. Then I went out into the woods and I sat there, looked around, took in the environment and realized, you know, of everything in this little space, I'm the only thing that can tell myself a story. Everything else is doing its job and facing whatever adversities or obstacles that are there. And they get the next moment because of it. So if this little rabbit that I'm watching can hop around and do its thing, get that next moment, why am I so wrapped up in my story that I can't stand up and go find the next log to sit on and enjoy the next moment. That is profound. And storylines and stories have a lot of power, definitely. And I've told myself some really scary ones for a really long time and still do. But I have to say, like, meditation has helped me tease through those strands and I still fall into that pit, but I'm able to pull myself out with more alacrity than I had before I started, you know, sort of quieting my mind. And, you know, initially that was on a meditation cushion, but now I don't need that necessarily. I don't need that structure. I can just, you know, literally look up from my desk. Well, right now I'm lucky because I live in Montana and I live in big sky country. I mean, super the mountains out my window are just incredible. And I can come back to the soul of me, the heart of me. I didn't really understand heart anymore. There was so much 
black goop, you know, from society, from culture, from media, from relationships, just layered on there. I, I still have digging to but uncover the jewel. There, there's a beautiful thing that we got to stop and uh, sift through there because I feel like you really defined the object of meditation, which is, you know, basically to tease out your soul and connect with yourself in the present moment, regardless of what thoughts or whatever's going on around you. And we all get there in a different way. It's a progression process for me. It was realizing that when I pick up my bow and I start shooting, I'm meditating. That was like the, the building block. Then it was realizing when I'm standing in a tree stand and I'm being completely still, it's another step and another layer. And that got me curious is to realize that I can bring those things from the field into my everyday life and ultimately led me to being able to put the bow down, sit for a few minutes, you know, in a spot in, the, you know, in a room, in a corner, whatever, and start to connect with myself. And I feel like when you break it down in that kind of context, it takes away all the stigmas around meditation. It makes it a lot more, a lot more approachable. Yeah. And practical. I mean, right? When I, when I started, it was back in, I don't know, it was probably back in the 90s. And I, I really thought, like, you're supposed to sit on a cushion and, like, your mind chatter, all that chatter inside, like, goes to an immediate halt. And that's not it at all. No, you're it, right. It, it was more about making friends with all that stuff and and come into the realization that's all that's all in there and that's all part of my humanity to be loved and appreciated and accepted and in the end it's all about you know becoming a friend with yourself and repairing that personal space that personal circle and those are the kind of things that you learn out of meditation is yeah i've got all these thoughts running through my head However, I can slow it down and I can process. I can understand why I feel the way that I feel. I can work through it. And when I have to encounter that situation in the daily life, I have a plan now. So I don't just, at the snap of a finger, rationally respond. I have the ability to say, you know, in my quiet time, I've work through this plan of dealing with so-and-so. I know they're going to trigger me and my first reaction would be to get angry and start yelling back and forth and have the big blow up. But if I've already gotten my head prepared, instead of yelling and tripping, I'm going to either calmly try to de-escalate the situation or I'll just walk away from it. You know, there's a quote from Marcus Aurelius, another one that really applies a lot to the way that I see things is we have this right to not have an opinion. We have this right to not respond to whatever the stimuli may be. 
And if you use that, you're going to prevent yourself from having to go back and repair a situation. It's the same idea with conservation. You know, nowadays we've kind of got a lot of these principles together that were able to protect a certain area or a species because years ago we didn't have those, those practices and we pushed them to the point of almost extinction or we destroyed them so much that here we are now having to repair everything. And it's taught us to be able to evaluate a situation, evaluate an environment. And if we do that in our everyday life, I think it really helps you to progress and not have to repair because you're able to just build. When I, when I hear you describing that, I think of the ability to act rather than react. Yes. And that's so, there's so much power in that because you're present. And I, I did not understand that for a long, long time. So I'm really glad you, again, put it so succinctly just based on your own experience. And that's something that I've had to learn myself. It's one of those tools that I feel like it probably wasn't taught growing up. So it was almost irrelevant. It was more of a reactive, losing the power of the situation. It almost gets back to the idea of not having that worth or that value within yourself because you're so afraid of what your response is going to be and how it's going to be perceived and what the outcome of that's going to be. But as I've moved through the journey and the exploration, done the work, my feet are so firm on the ground now, it doesn't matter. It's like the response has to be in line with the value system and the integrity that I feel internally. And that's the exact adult freedom that I talk about in my book. That is a place of living completely free. Freedom is something that I don't know a lot of us have that context for anymore because we get back to the whole put your nose to the grindstone and you got to have these responses, these reactions. Otherwise, you're kind of shunned from the tribe a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's almost like this intense programming and it's amazing to see the matrix and then to be able to step out of it. And I think that's an interesting thing to explore because that's where I'm at right now. Kind of in my little journey is I've got my feet on the ground and it puts you in a position where the environment's different. However, you're so used to the old stimuli or the old relationships and the people that you would interact with that when you're looking in this new environment, it's really hard to start to build those connections with different people that are more in line to the values and the way of life that 
you're trying to instill in yourself in order to be that better person. I, I totally get what you're saying. And that's, that's been scary for me, but what's, what's helped me through it. And, and this is also new for me is to understand from like literally the core of my being that I am doing the best I can like one foot, one breath at a time, I am doing the best that I can. And that container of compassion, not just for you, but for me and that little one inside my heart that's been through all of this stuff that I've walked through, that compassion to grow is really been a monumental shift and gift. You know, as I listen to you, I kind of think about the, uh, the idea of say an alcoholic, you know, they're constantly going to the bar and then they give up the drinking and they're petrified of the idea of even looking at the door of the bar, let alone walking in because they know instantly they're going to fall right back into the same cycle. And uh, along this journey, there's been so much going inward, you know, that it's almost like the same concept where the idea of letting somebody in is almost like that bar door. And you're like, hey, behind that mask or that facade could be the exact same things that I'm trying to get away from. I mean, just speaking from personal experience, you described it to a T. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I first got sober, I thought a vodka bottle was going to walk out of the bar and strike me drunk. (laughs) (coughs) And, you know, I feel like it, it gets down to that concept of fear because that that's that natural instinct that, kept our ancestors alive it's there to protect us and the idea that it just takes practice is kind of like the easiest way to eliminate not only the fear but also pull yourself forward into that next phase or that next chapter just little baby steps at a time because we get so caught up in that big picture like it we take one step around the corner it has to be this whole new reality where every the names and the faces and everything we knew are there just replaced with this new form of, I guess, healthier type uh, people or characters, whatever. But to slow it down and just take it step by step and be able to say even just hello to a stranger on a corner. And not put that preconceived notion in your head that, oh, that person's going to be just like the people that I'm getting away from is kind of like, you know, the the building blocks. And then ultimately you end up blazing that path to all that new surrounding. Yeah. And, and I found for me, like my life has opened, like the, the colors are more vivid. You know, I used to be coming off the the ramp 
in LA off the freeway and, you know, you see the person at the end of the ramp with the sign. And for a lot of years, I just drove right by, like with the window rolled up and the, the door locked. And then with the metamorphosis, I see, I see them with such different perspective as a human being that's walking through hell and I open my wallet and whatever comes out, that's what they get. That's been my experience, you know, from the point, different points along this journey, it was sitting isolated in the smallest of little areas. Cause I was so afraid to go out and interact because in my eyes, you know, the world was out to get me or I'd be taken advantage of again or whatever the situation is and getting caught up in that, that story of self-suffering. And then as I started to venture out and explore really within, I guess, the concrete jungle and interacting with people and realizing that, you know, that confidence and that, that worth that I built so safely within that little area, it does expand. It comes out. You know, it's there. Nobody can take that away. And it makes it a little easier to continue to cut down the shrubbery and go forward and ultimately start to build a shelter within that new reality. And the way that you're describing it, what I hear is like the difference between really being able to thrive in life and in what you're experiencing versus versus controlling it, you know, and compartmentalizing it and keeping yourself in some kind of odd faux shaped box of safety. I like that comparison. And then there's the idea of living in survival mode, you know, in a life threatening situation where you've got to go after the basics, you know, shelter, food, water and fire you get those things established and you know you're going to be stuck on this island or whatever for a period of time so you may as well start to build upon camp and start to make it more comfortable yeah and i think it's i think it's sort of like cycles like it, it comes in cycles but with each cycle you have more familiarity of the terrain, of the feelings, of the circumstances, and you have more tools to, to work with it and to become comfortable within it. And then you evolve to the next higher, more comfortable place. It's like an evolution. It, yeah, it's definitely the evolution experience as far as something that you can look back throughout history and see how we've changed, how we've progressed and we've made things more comfortable for our current way of life. We, you know, we didn't walk out of a cave and spark a fire and then all of a sudden build a skyscraper and, you know, have internet and everything else that we do now. It came throughout tears, throughout cycles and throughout evolution. And, being able to break down a journey 
into a situ into a context like that i think is something that not only provides like a safety net internally to say hey i can get there even if i fall on my face i can get back up and i can do this again but it also gives you that feeling that the ability is there you know the power is in your hands now that's what gives me like a lot of faith with what's happening happening globally right now you know a lot of our systems are shaking and some stuff is crumbling and the old experience is sort of morphine and we're sort of in the middle or I am, I'll just speak for myself. And I'm actually hopeful with all that happening because I feel like this is a real chance for a very positive shift where some of that old junk can fall away and, and we can really connect as human beings that are loving beings. You're absolutely correct. It, and it boils down to the idea of perception and mindset. When you realize you stop and you look at the fact that it's impossible to not change, you know, every moment of every day, there's some kind of change happening and you relinquish yourself to not fight it and let it happen in a way that you're putting a you're putting a mindful approach to being present and embracing it you start to feel that shift toward hey this is good i can do these things i can embrace it and i can build because i'm putting my feet on the ground and I'm walking forward and I'm in control of how this moment of change is going to affect me. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful and well said and authentic and real. Yeah. I really appreciate that. I have a question for you. I know it's your podcast and <laughs> you're the one asking the questions, but I do want to ask you a question. What would you, what would you say to that guy that was getting into that abusive second marriage, abusive relationship? What would you, what would you say to him right now, looking back? There? Probably look in the rear view mirror now, instead of ten years down the road. <laughs> hmm. I think that yeah. would probably be the, the biggest thing. Or there's a, a Daniel Boone quote that I really love is the fact that we're never truly lost. Yeah, we get turned around in the woods for maybe three days, but we always find our way back. And I think to put myself in that context then, as opposed to now, it would have been the same journey that I've been on just a lot sooner but i don't know that i regret it because you know there's a another marcus aurelius line that really speaks to me is a part where in meditations he's talking to himself about how unfortunate it is that everything is happening 
and then he stops and he goes no it's, it's fortunate it's a good thing these things are happening because nobody can endure and learn from all these events the way that I have. That's think bliss. That, That's bliss. Like, especially if you can put that into practice, that's very powerful. I think that that line strikes me so hard because it's ultimately a way to let go of regret. And I know that there's been a lot of things that I've struggled through as far as the category of regret. And when I put them in that line and I say that out loud, or I think that through meditation, I realize, you know, that is kind of part of the journey that I've had that I, has been a part of my story, but life wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I wouldn't be celebrating and enjoying what I have in the same context had I not experienced the steps that came before it. So as you're, as you're talking, I'm getting the image of, um, I don't know if you saw the mission and Robert De Niro's tra traipsing through the jungle with this huge sack of crap, like crap. And he's forcing himself to hold on to this thing and he's scaling this cliff and he's got this huge bag and he's struggling internally with whether he's going to drop it or not. And you drop that bag, man, you've like dropped that bag and you're so free. It's like awesome. It's most definitely a lot of weight off my shoulders. And I think it's a, uh... It's something that everybody can do because, you know, when you think about walking or taking a hike, you throw so much stuff in the backpack that at the beginning of the hike, you're, you're rip roaring, ready to go. Nothing's stopping you. You're full of energy because you're, you're refreshed. You get four or five miles into it. All of a sudden that pack feels a lot heavier. You're moving a lot slower and you're almost like, Hey, should I take that out and just kind of throw that to, to the side? What can I get rid of so that I can build the pace back up? And it's the same thing in life. You know, we go through all these different events and whether you want to or not, there's an effect that gets thrown in your backpack. Ultimately, it starts slowing you down, starts bringing you down. And you start looking for ways to discard things. And whether it's physically seeing it, and I've been through, I was a self-harm, I did a lot of self-harm growing up and throughout a good chunk of my life. That was my way of seeing those things actually physically leave. Or you go through the mental experience and you let them go. The bottom line is one way or another, we're going to let them go. Whether you're masking it with a vice like alcohol, drugs, or whatever or you're able to write it down in a journal and meditate about it. It's a matter of evaluating which is the healthier, which is the, the avenue that you're going to get the most progression for yourself and for your story out of. That's another amazing metaphor. Yeah. 
So I got one question for you as we start to come toward the end of this, which is from your journey that inspired you to write The Toxic Family and everything in between. Leave us with some inspiration and some wisdom from the story that has been your life. Wow. Well, what a thing to, to end on. And thanks for asking as the sunshine is blazing in, in my face, uh, the sun's rising as we're, we're having this conversation here where I am. Um, the gift of, of writing this all down has shown me how all the pieces have perfectly fit together, even though I wanted to throw some of those pieces away. Every piece has come together to interlock and to make this beautiful brocade that, that I wrap myself in now. It's, it's a beautiful journey that I've been on and it's a blessed journey, I guess pun intended with my blessed t-shirt on today. But um, yeah, and I just really am grateful to, to share it with everyone. And, and I'm grateful for all the players. I'm grateful for every member of my family and I, I love them and I have respect for their journeys and my relatives and all my partners and everybody that's come along the path. And it's a, it's a very incredible way to see my, my journey offer the beauty of soul evolution. See, there's two things in there that I really love the idea of being able to take away. Number one is that idea of gratitude. Because when you start to shift that into your mindset, you start becoming grateful for the things that you get to experience. Number one, life doesn't feel so daunting, doesn't feel so hard. Because when you change that word from, man, I've got to do this to, man, I get to do that. You know, it doesn't matter what you put behind that. There's something about it that just changes the outlook and the experience. And then number two is, well, your book. You know, when I think about the process that it goes through of writing a book, much like the process that I've done with this podcast, it gives you something to look back at and be able to, to see, hey, I documented how far I've come from the beginning of the trail to whatever the day is that you're standing at looking at it. And it gives you that momentum to be able to say, man, if I've done those kind of changes, I can build that skyscraper. I can build that. I can make this reality mine. And that's something that through journaling, we all have the power to do. I'm ready for your book next. <laughs> I've actually got the manuscript together. I'm trying to figure out exactly how to go about wrapping it up and getting it out. Well, we can help you there because you have a powerful message to share on the podcast like you are, but also in print because you're, you're blazing an amazing trail. Well, thank you. And before I let you go, you got to let people know not only how they can get the book, but how they can see what else you got going on and get in touch with you. Oh, I welcome everybody. Just go to susangold.us. That's susangold.us. 
And you can get in touch with me there. You can find out about the book. I welcome everybody to have a conversation with me. So just go to susangold.us. Awesome. Well, Susan, this has been an amazing Saturday morning. And I want to thank you very much for your time. We've got to get together and do this again soon. I would really love that. This was a phenomenal conversation and I can't wait to share it with a lot of people. Thank you. You're most welcome. Thank you. All right. That is it. And that is all. That is the end of this edition of the Campfire Conversations here at Project Mindfully Outdoors. You know, I hope that uh, you really enjoyed not only my take on my journey, but also Susan's take on her journey. You know, like I said, it's one of those things that, you know, life hands you the cards that you're dealt. You can either stand in the mud hole and spin your wheels by pointing the finger, or you can learn to adapt and overcome and build the tools that it takes in order to progress and build your camp and make it somewhere where you can flourish. And, you know, on that note, I want to thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. If you found any value in this conversation, share it with a friend. And I'd love to see you over at projectmindfullyoutdoors.co to sign up for the newsletter, which is jam-packed full of tips and tricks for not only everyday life, but also for the outdoors to get you out there and get you moving. So until next time, I'll see you over on the regular flagship show, Project Mindfully Outdoors, which you can find and subscribe the same place that you're listening to this podcast or watching it. So until next time, get out there in the wild. That's where the stillness and the adventure lies. See ya.